If you are new here tonight, I'm going to give a brief recap of what we've been studying in Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes is a book written by King Solomon. King Solomon, uh, son of King David, was asked of the Lord, ask me of anything and, and I'll give you what your heart desires. And he says, God, give me wisdom. And so God granted him wisdom, incredible wisdom. Wisest man that really ever lived, just godly, deep wisdom. And he wrote the Proverbs. We love the Proverbs. We go to the Proverbs. We try to read a proverb a day just because it's so practical and so real and it's straight from heaven and it simplifies things. But now where we find King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, which he also wrote, is that he's taken this gift of wisdom and it appears that he started to look to the gift instead of looking to God. He started depending on the gift instead of depending on God. And if you have any sort of a gift from God as a believer, you know that that can be something that can happen. You really have to press against that and continue on in your relationship with the Lord. And so normally all hope would be lost, right, if someone had just gone uh, that far away from God seemingly, right? Just thanks for the gift. Now I'm, I'm kind of out of here. I'm going to use it to my, for my own means necessary. I'm going to do what I want with it. Uh, but God is able to work even that out for his good. And so here's what I believe God is doing in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's using uh, the wisdom that Solomon does indeed have from heaven. And he's also using Solomon's stubborn and frustrated heart through this to teach us some stuff. Here's the two things I believe he's teaching us in Ecclesiastes. One, he wants us to know wisdom. Even in spite of all this, the wisdom is worth it. It's from him still. He wants us to see things that uh, are just so plain and simple that we can acknowledge and realize and just agree and say, well, of course. But then as Pastor Ross mentioned in his prayer earlier, it's so, why is it so hard to carry this out, right? The sinful nature is always at war. So that's the first thing I believe we're learning through Ecclesiastes. We're getting some practical wisdom here. Now, secondly, I believe God's doing this with Solomon. He's using this frustrated state to show us, don't just seek the gift. Seek me. Come after me because you will be miserable and frustrated and at the end of your rope if you just get the gifts that come from me and don't get me. That is the whole Christian message. That is the whole reason that in this point of history, he will be sending his Messiah, Messiah coming along in a short while from this, right? So he's building up. And so with those two things, we're gonna look tonight in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and we're gonna see some practical wisdom and it's wisdom that can really apply in a lot of areas of life. But I believe that there's a theme going on. I think primarily what Solomon is giving us godly wisdom in is in our daily lives in the workplace. So the title of this message will be Wisdom at Work. Wisdom at Work. So why don't we go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Turn there in your Bibles with me. 
and we'll start it off verse by verse, starting at chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Okay, so we're going to pause there for a moment. Okay, this is an interesting way to start off an entire chapter, right? <laughs> dead flies. I was, I was talking with Pastor Dave earlier this week, and he said, oh, what are you going to be preaching on? I said, Ecclesiastes 10. You know, oh, what's in there? You know, well, dead flies and perfume, you know, it's not good. And he says, yeah, dead flies aren't good in anything. And he's right. They're, they're not good anywhere or in anything, but for the sake of sticking to the scriptures, we'll focus on perfume tonight. So here we go. So this is, this is very important to understand. Okay, this is going to set the stage for the entire uh, rest of the chapter. And so we need to understand a little bit about uh, how dead flies and perfume go together. Well, I'm going to explain that to you. Now, I didn't know this beforehand, but I looked into how perfume was made and stuff. I don't know anything about perfume, but I know something tonight. So this is what I've come to learn. Maybe you know more. But perfume comes from, well, it starts with the problem. I think we all kind of know what the problem is, <laughs> right? We smell bad. In fact, we've been smelling bad for a long time, probably Genesis chapter 3. And so it's a constant reminder that we are bad and that uh, our bodies are just, they're, they're giving away. And so uh, man does what man does and we create something to mask the smell and make it look better or smell better. And so you can trace perfume back uh, to a couple different ancient civilizations, but most notably, ancient Egypt was known for the wearing of perfume. And that's interesting because that's where the children of Israel were at for a long period of time while they were slaves in Egypt. And so now coming out of that, being rescued by God, being uh, led to their own promised land, uh, that's possibly one of the, the areas or one of the ways that, uh, that there is someone like a perfumer who would be making this perfume and selling it there. Okay, so what does a perfumer do? Believe it or not, that's an actual job title. A perfumer, one who made perfume back then. It was a very expensive uh, fragrance to sell. Uh, usually only royalty or, or very rich people uh, would be able to wear it. Uh, but here's what's going on. What they would do is they get a pot and they take oil and put it in there and that's their base. And then they would add, you know, scents. They had mixtures of scents. They'd add flowers. In some countries they'd add myrrh and frankincense. In other countries, uh, they would add like some dried fruit. So they had their, all their combinations for their special fragrance. They'd put it in the pot. They'd put it over a fire and they'd boil it down. And in some type of process within that and then allowing it to sit in maybe some fermentation, it would create their secret brand of perfume. So here comes the flies. All right, so you got oil and you've got, let's say, some uh, dried fruit. What's that attract? Some flies, right? Okay, so the flies are hanging out. Do flies like oil? I don't know, maybe. But they get stuck in the oil, right? They're stuck in the oil. And so they're making this perfect, beautiful thing. They're trying to mask the smell. They put it in the pot. And lo and behold, a couple flies just kind of get stuck in there and they die. And the thing's boiling down. And they cover it up and they go and they're waiting for it to relax. And all of a sudden, they smell the perfume they've been waiting for. And it smells like dead flies. You're going, what a disaster, right? Okay, so that is the background for why he's saying this. So he's saying, like dead flies give, a, literally, this is what it says. Literally, it says, 
Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink and ferment, okay? And he says, now in the same way, a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And so we can wrap all that up with our first lesson here, and here's the first lesson. You want your work to stink? Add a little bit of folly to it. It's that simple. I remember a time when I was working a few jobs back, and I was uh, uh, a supervisor of a team, and we had a, a very serious responsibility. We carried guns, we transported money, and we uh, had a new person who was hired, and uh, she it was like her second job. She wasn't very familiar with things, and I remember uh, she was still kind of being trained, but we had a guy there who was always kind of a jokester, and he was always making everything funny. And so and it kind of relieved some pressure, it was kind of fun, uh, but then one day, he's walking outside to get a truck, and he's going to come in, and she's standing guard with a shotgun, and he laughs and makes some funny comment, being this, the jokey guy he was, kind of goofing around, and she goofs right back and points the gun at him, thinks that's hilarious, and he went from the funniest you know, guy in the whole world to completely sober, completely locked into, okay, I just learned my lesson. I guess there's a time and a place to joke around about stuff like this. And so uh, that's kind of the, the sense here of, of just the realizing that uh, foolishness is very, it's powerful. It's powerful. Notice in here it says that it just takes a little bit of foolishness, just a little bit of folly, can ruin an entire pot of perfume. You know? And, and that's so against what we understand. We think wisdom and folly are two opposite things, which they are. But we attribute the same weight to those things. What Solomon is pointing out, being guided by the Holy Spirit, is no. It just takes a little bit of foolishness to ruin the day. Foolish words. It takes a little bit of foolishness, one day of foolishness, to ruin your career. Spiritually, it just takes a little bit of foolishness to ruin your marriage. Your walk with the Lord, you can have a good or bad walk with the Lord just based on some silly foolishness. Uh, these things are, are powerful. And so what is uh, happening here is that we tend to believe a lie. We believe the lie that just a little bit won't hurt us, okay? And you can't do that with foolishness. You, you believe a lie that it was just one time. You know, it, it only takes one time. You believe the lie that it was only a little bit, it only takes a little bit to get started. That's, this is exactly the, the way we keep falling into these things over and over again is because we believe the lie and we end up destroying our lives. Our work uh, can be destroyed. Our work before the Lord can even be destroyed just by one foolish incident, small incident. Just a, a little spark can start a forest fire. Think about that. That example is used in Scripture. A little bit of gossip can can ruin a relationship. It was just one time. We were friends for 20 years. Just one time. It only takes one time. So let's move on here. So we established that wisdom uh, is supreme, but that folly weighs more than wisdom. It just takes a little folly to ruin the wisdom. So let's go to verse 2 and 3. It says, The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense, and he shows everyone how stupid he is. And so 
What's fascinating about this, taking the first part of the verse, is that wisdom and folly are truly two separate directions. They're separate directions. So think about that when you're acting foolishly, let's say at work or in a, in a position where you're supposed to be responsible. You need to be the responsible one, okay? You're just adding a touch of folly. Okay, well, that's headed the wrong direction now. Do you realize that, where that's going? It's opposite, it's left and right. Some commentators have pointed out that traditionally the right meant honor, like be seated at my right hand. And left usually was uh, not so much dishonor, but definitely less honor or uh, leading a different direction. So maybe that's what's going on here in the verse, but clearly it is two different directions. And here's a principle for that. Here's a lesson that we can learn is start off on the right path. Just start off realizing that they're two different directions. Start the day right. Start the day before the Lord in prayer. Start the day in the, in the word. I can see a difference in my life when I jump out the door running late or when I've got time to, to open my Bible and start reading before work. Okay, and so uh, it's like that for all of us. You know, it's not default for us to uh, just be ready to go. So start off on the right path right away. So going on to verse three, this is what we learn here. It only talks about the fool. It doesn't talk about the wise person. The fool is the one that stands out. And so let me tell you this. Here's a life lesson for you. It is easy to get a reputation if you're a fool. It takes longer, many times, if at all, to get a reputation for being wise. Why is that? That's just the way it's made. I'm sure God in his perfection and wisdom uh, did that for a reason. Just even the gospel is veiled to the wise and learned, the wise of the world, who aren't wise in God, uh, but it's revealed to small children who are just humble and come to him. So uh, for wisdom, be prepared in your job, be prepared in your life to not get credit or acknowledgement right away or ever. Be okay with that because the purpose is still to be wise, is honoring to the Lord. To be foolish, it just says it's broadcast for everyone to see, even when you're just doing something that's simple and normal. You're just walking. You're not building a rocket ship. You're walking down the road and everybody goes, that guy's really foolish. You know, what's he doing? Maybe he's on the wrong side of the road. I don't know. He's, something's completely wrong there. He lacks sense. And so it's obvious and, uh, and everyone can see it. So don't be that way and be prepared when wisdom isn't acknowledged with the same weight. Let's go to verse four here. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great heirs to rest. This is wisdom, specifically having to deal with your boss at work or a ruler. What happens when you fail or you've done something wrong? How do you respond? There's a wise and a foolish response to that. And so here is the wise response. Don't leave your post. What's the first thing you want to do when you make some big error and you look foolish to the whole office and especially your boss who can fire you? You want to run and hide, right? That's what I want to do. Make some foolish mistake. You go, oh no, the last thing I want to do is show up back to work tomorrow at 8 a.m. and see the boss and hear everyone because guess what's going to be on their minds? Not how well I've been doing for this long, but the one thing that I happen to do wrong. And this verse gave me so much comfort. Uh, again, back at the same job that I described earlier, 
uh, I just seemed to continually make mistakes. I was new as a supervisor, and I would make judgment calls, and they always happened to be the wrong ones. It was laughable. I don't, it was a 50-50 shot either time, and they were always wrong. Man. And so I remember just going, I'm just so dumb. What is wrong with me? And I found this verse, and I said, okay, that is what I need to do. I need to get back in there. I'm going to show up to work early tomorrow. And I'm going to say, that's right. You know, I know. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Okay, I'm here to work. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And you know what? It's true. Before long, two weeks gone, you know, went by, that we're, we're, back, we're back in the running. We're back going now again. That reputation has kind of disappeared. And, uh, and Solomon, being a king and a ruler, is the ultimate one to give this advice because he's dealt with a lot of people who have let him down. And kings and rulers back then tended to be a little bit more harsh when it comes to firing. Okay. So what about your relationship with the Lord when you make a mistake? So the same thing happens. We're all human. The same flesh response comes up and you go, ah, I don't want to open my Bible. I know it's so dumb of me. I don't want to go and pray because I know it's just uh, going to church Every, every single point is going to be right towards me. I know it. I, I, know I, just, I'm, I, I was wrong. And God says, that's exactly what you need to do. Get back on your post. Don't let it down. Don't let, don't let your, your Christian walk go down the tubes because of this. And here's the great thing, being in Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. And though you stumble, a righteous man, it says, seven times, you get back up. You keep walking, okay? So there's no one here who has done it perfect, but if we're headed the right direction in his grace, by the blood of Christ, through faith, believing in Jesus, uh, he gives us what we need to continue to walk with them. So his command to us is simply, keep walking with me. Don't let this separate us. So let's go on now to verse 5 through 7. All right, so bosses, you thought you were off the hook, right? We started talking about pretty much some new employees or some maybe immature new worker type things. This is specifically for bosses. Solomon's going to point something out. So if you're boss or if you're in charge of anything, parents included, uh, this is important for you. So let's read it, verses 5 through 7. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of air that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. So here's what's happening. Solomon is saying bosses aren't off the hook. They make foolish decisions too, and they can be fools. In fact, they can put fools in high positions. And he says it starts off like an heir, but it ends as an evil. It's wrong. You put someone in the wrong position and you're a boss, that can have disastrous, disastrous consequences on your company. Solomon's saying, you want a foolish company? Put the wrong person in the wrong place. And he uses this example. He says, uh, he says here, he says, there's fools who are put in many high positions while princes go on foot like slaves. And I'll explain that here in a moment. But the first key factor isn't that, well, there's no one else who can do it. It's that the right guy that you should have put in that position isn't there. So you not only, it's, it's not like you're reaching for something, but you took the wrong guy, put him there. You took the right guy and put him somewhere else. And Solomon's going, what is wrong with you? No wonder you're saying we can't win a football game. 
No wonder you're saying we're down and behind in this quarter, right? You know, the, the thing that we should think about here, let's let's look some examples. When you have the wrong person in the wrong place, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a fool, but you're the fool for putting them there, if that makes sense. So imagine you're a football team, and you're looking for a coach, and so you get the backup kicker. You say, he'd be a great coach, you know, because he already has the shirt, you know? He's already on payroll. He's got two good things going for him, you know? And so you, you put him in, and boom, you've got a new football coach. That wouldn't work very well, and you know, maybe, I don't know if it would help the Niners right now, but it could. <laughs> but in general, that's not a good thing. So let's say you own an auto mechanic shop, all right? And so you've got someone that's really good at answering phones, you have someone that's really good at working in cars, and you swap them. So, you know, you've got someone answering phones who goes, yeah, what's the problem? Okay, we'll take the blah, 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 and do blah, 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 blah with it, and then uh, it'll all be working fine. What? Can you get me on the schedule? Yeah, let me see where that's at here, you know? And then, so then the, guy, the car comes in, finally, and then you have someone that's good at answering phones, but that's trying to figure out what goes where. Your car's not going to work. It sounds silly and foolish, but that happens. That happens in companies, that happens in life, that happens when any, any area that we have a decision to be made, we need to be seeking the Lord first on who should be going into those positions and praying and asking for his wisdom to place them there. So just remember, just because someone can do something, like for example, a slave on horseback, doesn't mean they should do something. So just because you can balance a checkbook doesn't mean you should be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Right? Just because uh, someone can, is, is really, or likes cars doesn't mean they should be a mechanic. Just because somebody eats Captain Crunch doesn't mean they should be the captain of a naval vessel, right? <laughs> or something like that. So you guys get the point. We've covered that. So if you want a foolish company, put the wrong person in the wrong position. Now, as far when it says slaves and princes, it's giving the words there just to denote uh, not that a person is inept or incompetent, but that uh, it's clear to see they're the wrong fit. It's just so clear. It's like, no, that guy's a leader. He's the prince. What are you doing? It's so obvious that's the guy. And it's so obvious this guy might be great, but he, he's not supposed to be there. He's, he's the mechanic. He's the, uh, he's the this. He's the that. He's, he's not the coach. I mean, that's what he's trying to describe by that. Let's move on to verse 8 and 9. Now, whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them, and whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. These two verses are very uh, poetically kind of put together. And this is similar to what Solomon has said before in some of the Proverbs, even in Ecclesiastes, I believe, as well. He's kind of mentioned this as a warning. And this is the reminder I see in this for us. Don't have the attitude, even if you are a stone worker, or a woodworker. Don't have the attitude, I've been doing this 25 years. I'm a stone worker for a living, right? And you, you are. It's given, it's guaranteed. But what he's saying here is he says, whoever, doesn't matter how many years, you can get injured by that, right? You're an electrician, I haven't been an electrician for 25 years. You can still get shocked, just as much as the new person. You might know these things, but don't let your guard down and be ready for accidents, be prepared, think ahead. But the attitude, Take wise counsel, no matter how long you've been doing something. I know, I know this in my own heart, that you know I've been doing this 
you know, three, five, ten, you know, yes, wonderful, take the counsel. The counsel is almost always right. Why do I fight that? Why do we fight that? There's just something in us, the pride of this is who I am. I've got the experience. I don't make mistakes anymore. Let me refer you back to verse 4 because you will make a mistake shortly. It's going to happen to you. So let's look at verse 10 and 11 now. 10 and 11. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. So let's look at verse 10. So what that's saying here is this. Uh, you might have the right equipment. You might have uh, this, the skill. But if your tools aren't in order, it's going to take you twice as long to do something. Okay? So get the right tool for the job. Be prepared for what you're doing. Play skillfully for the Lord. Tune your guitar before you play worship. Yes, you can play. Yes, you brought your guitar. So tune it. Right? It'll make you that much more effective. Uh, you know, we don't really use axes anymore to cut stuff down. We use chainsaws, and I can tell you from firsthand experience that if you put a new chain on a chainsaw, you will cut through things like butter. It is awesome. And I, you know, I will sit there for so, I've done it once in my life. All the other times I would use, no, I'm not buying a new chain, you know, and smoke coming out. It's coming down. You wait and see. I think it's a challenge, you know. And then it's smoke, and then sometimes they break, you know. I don't know what happened. You know, the thing just, you know, something seized up. So Solomon's saying, take the time, even though you're saying, but it's taking time, it's taking time. Yeah, it will save you time. If in the beginning, you get stuff ready, be prepared. Take time to be prepared. And verse 11 is similar. It says, if a snake bites before it is charmed, there's no profit for the charmer. <laughs> Any snake charmers in the audience? Just, I want to see, I'm curious. Has anyone ever seen a snake charmer? Besides TV, we have people visiting from Africa, right? And they're missionaries. They have actually seen snake charmers. Thank you, Nancy, that was awesome. So uh, this is what it's saying. Saying, look, if you're a snake charmer, okay, and you're thinking, it's going to take time to train this thing. You know, they, snakes don't come out charmed. That's why <laughs> people pay money to see people doing that with snakes. And so he's saying, so if you decide to save some money and some time and think, I want money now, and you just grab a snake that looks the same and no one else knows the difference, and you put it in the thing, you start playing your little flute, you're going to get bitten. <laughs> it sounds dumb, but I'm telling you, this has had to have happened somewhere. <laughs> so he's saying, take the time to do what's right. It's okay. Take the time to train. Take the time to be prepared. It's worth it in the long run. All right, let's go to verse, verses 12 through 14. We're going to talk about foolish words. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning, his words are folly, and at the end, they are wicked madness. And the fool multiplies words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell him what will happen after him? So do you want to know who the fools and who the, the wise people are? Scripture says pretty clearly, you get, well, the first way you can look is... Uh, Listen to them. Listen to the words coming out of their mouth. You know, are they talking instead of working? What are they talking about? Is it about work? Is it okay? No, it says uh, the fool uh, talks about stuff and it starts off, you know, just kind of silly. 
and nonsensical, and by the end of it, it's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. It hints off here in the verse that they even continue talking. You know, it's like, okay, that was crazy, but he's, he keeps on going. It's like, yet they keep on talking in this. And it, it says that uh, no one knows what can come after him. What that's saying is the fool is primarily talking about the future. The future, what they know is going to happen. Oh, you got to invest in this. It's really great, you know, and not being an investor, but they know all about it because they saw this one show. And uh, you know that, you know, the end of the world is, is that and, and this with, you know, global warming. And, uh, and if we don't, blah, 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 and whatever it is, but they're not a scientist. Okay. They're, you know, a, re- a receptionist. So <laughs> yet they keep on talking about this, like they know this stuff. And you're going, hey, I actually took a science class. That's not, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And, but they keep on talking and he's saying, look, the fact that they're talking so confidently about the future shows you they have no idea what they're talking about. The only way we as believers know the future is by what is revealed to us in the scriptures. And there is stuff revealed to us about the future that is true and will take place. But as far as models and scales and statistics, those are great, but that can't guarantee a thing. Only God's word can. And that's what he's saying here is, hey, you'll know them by their words. It's pretty obvious. You're going to see the fool. So what is this uh, uh, saying here? This is saying, focus on uh, your words. Don't give in to that. Don't act foolishly. All right? There's a time where it's fine to be quiet. All right, let's go to verse 15. It's kind of the summation here. It says, a fool's work wearies him. He doesn't even know the way to town. (laughs) So here's the lesson for this one. It is hard work being a fool. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely, that's exactly what it is. So here's, here's a, just a made-up story. Husband comes home from work in a cast. Honey, what happened? I'm exhausted. You would not believe what happened to me. So I show up late to work, right? I walk in, and the boss wants to see me. Okay, so I walk in, and the, I'm in the boss's office, you know, and he's telling me all this. He's too demanding, you know that? Wants me on time every day. What kind of world is this? And so uh, I tell him, I don't know about if I'm even going to stay anymore or something like that, you know. So I decide that uh, after that, okay, I, I'll do my presentation anyway. And so I'm hooking up my laptop, and then I realize I didn't have the adapter, you know. Can you believe they made a projector without the right adapter for my laptop? So while everybody's sitting there for this big corporate meeting, I have to spend 20 minutes looking for the adapter, right? And I can't find it. And so I had to act out my presentation. So embarrassing. But anyway, that was only the beginning. Then I got into my truck. I drove to the work site, and I'm up on top you know, of a ladder, and somebody yells, you know, hey, shouldn't you have a harness? And so I started yelling back at him. I'm like, uh, hey, I've been doing this 25 years. And because he yelled at me in the beginning, I lost my footing. <laughs> and so I fell. And as they're ta- so I'm, okay, so I'm in the emergency room. I'm talking to the nurse about how bad my job is and how, you know, nobody just understands. And how am I supposed to know that that was the boss's daughter? (laughs) I'm telling you, honey, it is tough to be me. It's going to be hard to be wise. And honestly, it is going to be hard to be foolish. So if it's going to be hard, why not just be wise? I mean, seriously, think about that. We're so prideful. We should need to let our pride go and just receive the wisdom. Okay. 
So verse 16 and 17 is going to give us some examples here. Solomon says, Woe to you, O land, whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. And blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So he's just poetically explaining the resolve here. He's saying, he's saying you want to see a, a company, a country, a family uh, that's in distress? Woe to you if you have someone who, when it says uh, uh, you have someone here who's uh, a servant, it, the word really means just immature, just doesn't know what in the world they're doing. They're just, they're young and inexperienced and, and typically foolish at that age. And he says, you guys are in trouble if that's the guy that's leading your company. You're, you're in disaster. Why? Because they're going to do whatever they want. Do whatever they want in marriage, whatever they want in life. They're going to eat whenever they want. It doesn't matter if stuff has to get done. They're hungry. And you know what? It's a big party in their mind. They don't care if people get paid or not right away. They don't care if uh, things are being followed through on or not. And so uh, he says, but you want to see that in sharp contrast? Blessed are you. Blessed are you who have the right person in the position. You are so blessed. Think of your parents. Think of, think of uh, really even this country. God's had his hand on us for a long time. He's carried us through some heavy things. But think of your, your workplace, okay? You can tell the difference between a dysfunctional company and a company that uh, is trying to get their act together and that cares about uh, accomplishing the goal here. And he says this, he, he says, here's the things that will denote these people, these, these noble birth, the, the, the wise company. He says, they uh, eat at the proper time, okay? And they eat for the proper reason, for strength, uh, not for drunkenness. Uh, they're, they're doing what is, what is necessary and right. It's not, life isn't just a giant party for them. Okay, and so uh, the wisdom we can take from this is, is be proper. Be proper. There's a godly uh, blessing in that for you. There's a proper time in a proper way. And so behave properly as Scripture exhorts us. Okay, verse 18. Verse 18 says, If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. <laughs> Referring to the rafters in the house. Maybe you've seen some saggy rafters in your time. <laughs> I've been to many houses that had some saggy rafters, and it's very scary. It says, if his hands are idle, the house leaks, the roof leaks. Why? Because you're not up there fixing it. Okay, so here's a lesson here. Want to be wise? Keep up on your work. Don't wait until it's a problem. When you hear the brake indicator, it's getting low, take it into the shop. Okay, if you wait, then it's the rotors and the brakes and the, you know, and the accident and the who knows what. Uh, but all of us tend to just say, okay, yeah, 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 I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And he's saying, take care of it now. Get your oil changed. Clean the gutters. Rain's coming. Be prepared and keep on top of it. Don't let it get out of hand. Think about that spiritually for a second. Think about your spiritual life. Just take stock, honestly, of yourself spiritually. Just think, are the rafters sagging? Are they? Is stuff ready in life where things are going? Is, it, uh, is the house leaking? You know, how are you doing your Bible reading? How are you doing on fellowship? Are you making it in the most important thing, just following the Lord, gathering together the things that are important to him? Are they important to you? What is it in your life that needs work? 
that you can stay on top of now and avoid a giant disaster. Okay, so verse 19, Solomon's going to just kind of give, a, give an encouragement real quick and say, hey, listen, it's not all uh, work and no fun. So here we go. He says, look, a feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. <laughs> a little curious here. Money the answer for everything. So let's see what this means. So first off, he's saying there's a time and a place for this. Okay, you're like, but I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy my work. He goes, uh, work is for work. That's great if you enjoy it, but get stuff done. And he's saying, uh, that's what feasts are for. That's why, well, that's why you go and have people over. That's where you have fun. And that's what that's designed for. Okay, I'm not saying don't have fun and just be proper and, and everything all the time. Uh, you can relax and let your guard down uh, in a non-godly way. Um, and, and just enjoy some relaxed fellowship time with people just over dinner and, and just you know, having some fun. Uh, and he says, wine makes life merry. It's just uh, saying, look, you can enjoy some of the pleasures of life, uh, obviously keeping in mind uh, the fact of who you are, okay? If it's something you struggle with, then that's something you avoid. It's, it's quite simple. And then he says this, money is the answer for everything, and that is so true in this world. That is what the world thinks. You can get the best lawyer if there's a problem. You get the best doctor if there's a medical problem, okay? You go to the best schools. Just money tends to solve everything in their mind. Okay, so you let the rafters go. Just buy another house. If you have the money, you don't need to keep up on it. Uh, this goes wrong. Okay, so just buy a new one, that, you know? And he's saying, yeah, so that's what the world says. Uh, and this is where I, I think the Holy Spirit just kind of driving home to us. Uh, this is Solomon kind of in his frustration, just saying, this is what I've come to, and this is what I've seen. You know, money just seems to be the answer for everyone. And, and this is what's not being said, which he's already said. Proverbs 11, verse 4 says this. It says, uh, I think we have a slide for that one. There we go. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Pro he wrote this. Solomon wrote this. What is going on? Have you ever found yourself uh, in a situation where you've said something and you've heard somebody kind of use your own advice back to you? If there's anything else that gets your attention, that's it. That's a, that's a punch right to the gut. Because you're going, wait, I know that. Wait, I said that. Why aren't I doing that? Why aren't I saying that? Here's the wisdom, Solomon, that's just eerily silent. That's showing that you've you're not walking with the Lord. You're, you're stepping away. You're, you're pounding your head in misery with your little precious gift of wisdom that is, is, might get you something here on earth. But it's worthless without a connection with the God who created heaven and earth. And so uh, here's the last and final verse. It says this, verse 20. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird of the air may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. So here's a simple lesson. Don't talk smack <laughs> behind their back. It's that simple. And you know, I think the principle in here is really just leave your work at work, okay? This is a good one for guys especially. Leave your work at work. All the stuff that happened, don't come home and pour that on everybody else, okay? Deal with it. 
When you have issues with someone, go talk with them. Okay, work it out. Yes, work is going to be hard sometimes. That's why it's work. Okay, so you, you work that out. Uh, but it's saying don't fall into the trap of, well, I've just got to relieve pressure. So, you know, I just, I just said that because, you know, I was so angry, you know. And, uh, you know, he said, because let me tell you something. Uh, it's not some fool that will take it to him. Somehow, it's going to come back and bite you. And if not even here on earth, what a reminder that there'll be a judgment day that will answer for every careless word. So don't fall into that trap, guys. Don't fall into that trap. Uh, it could cost you uh, your job. It could cost you uh, several things. In some countries, your life. Uh, so they know not to do that. But, um, but that's essentially what it is. So let me just, uh, in closing here, just recap some of the principles we've talked about with wisdom at work. Okay, workers, one, do away with foolish behavior. Recognize how, how dangerous it is, even a little bit. Two, start off on the right track. It takes twice as long to backtrack. Three, continue in wisdom even with no recognition. And four, don't run if you make a mistake. Stay at your post. Five, be humble and take advice. Six, take the necessary time to prepare. Seven, behave properly. Eight, keep on top of your work. Nine, leave work at work. And ten, for bosses, pray God would give you the wisdom to place those who should be in the right positions. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this practical wisdom tonight. Uh, God, you're interested in any, every area of our life. Uh, a lot of our time is spent at work, God, especially if we're full-time and we have a career. Lord, you care about our attitudes. You care about the work we do. You say it's all into you. So, Lord, help us to do that wisely and not act foolish because we all can act foolish at times, God. It just rings true. Help us, Lord, to continue down your path. Lord, we see even in all of this, God, just even with the practical wisdom, it's worthless without you. It's, I even reading this passage, I'm saying this is great, but, but God, I want you in this. Where's the relationship with you? Where's the, uh, that which was really in, in Proverbs and, gosh, and so much other scripture? And Lord, you're just showing us really by kind of the absence of that, how important it is. Do we want life without that? Will we take the gift and will we leave you behind? Or do we want you? Lord, we choose you today. Pray that you would just do away with the foolish things. Keep our hearts and minds fixed and focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.